Welcome to episode 98 of the Back Pain Podcast. Now today we are discussing headaches with osteopath Elizabeth Huzzy. Almost 95 of us will experience headaches at some point in our lives. Headaches can be incredibly debilitating and diagnosing what type of headache can be a challenge with many different types of headaches sharing many common features. Now whilst we can't cover the nearly 300 different types of headaches, in this part one episode on headaches, Elizabeth goes, goes over the three most common types of headaches. Tension type, migraines and cephalalgias, or specifically cluster headaches, what they look like and how to tell if you have one from another. Now in part two, which we're saving for a later date, we'll cover the management of these disorders and what you can do about them. Elizabeth is extremely experienced in the diagnosis and management of headache disorders, as you'll hear from this episode. And if you'd like to know more about Elizabeth or her management and research on headaches, you'll, you can find a link to her website in the show notes below. Now, remember, if you are struggling with pain, you don't have to be. Head on over to thebackpainpodcast.com, where you can see a list of approved people, approved by us, to manage your back pain. Simply pop in your postcode or address, and it'll show you the people who are closest to you. But that's it from me. I'll leave you to sit back and enjoy the brilliant Elizabeth Huzzy. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello, podcast friends and family, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Elizabeth Huzzy, osteopath and headache expert. So, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're very welcome. So before we jump straight into us, can I uh, love to know a little bit about yourself, about um, kind of what you do and how you got interested in headaches? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, my uh, background is, as you said, as an osteopath. I've had 30 years as an osteopath and also as an acupuncturist. Um, and we, I had a general practice in um, uh, Watford. Um, for over 25 years. But for the last 10 years, I've been uh, specializing or looking into headache disorders. It really started off with um, a personal experience and then curiosity from the clinic room because I knew patients came in to see me complaining of a headache. And I wanted to be able to make sure that I knew what kind of headache it was, that I was confident in my diagnosis and that I was safe to treat. And if my treatment was going to be the most effective or if there were other treatment options out there that would be better for the patients coming to see me. So it's with those very those questions right from the coalface, from the clinic room, that I went searching for the answers. Um, I joined the British Association of the Study of Headaches um, and went to various headache masterclasses along with medics and headache neurologists. And the last 10 years have been a really exciting time for headache, um, headache knowledge, headache in the medical sphere. There's been a huge amount of uh, uh, better understanding with functional MRIs on what actually happens in a headache or a migraine. Um, and the uh, headache world has put together this classification of headache disorders. So there's a lot more clarity. And so with clarity comes better treatments um, and better knowledge. So I knew 
Um, at the moment, it's great. I've set up my headache clinics so that I can help patients, as I described. But um, I've also been part of led the headache project for the profession in the last three years, which has been all about taking the knowledge that I gained and put, trying to put it together in a format so we can um, educate other osteopaths or other people that work similarly to osteopaths like acupuncturists, physiotherapists, chiropractors, so that they would have the same level of knowledge mm. to be able to treat with confidence. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for, for, for your work. I know it said that I know so many people will get so much uh, so much benefit from from all this information. So I know that today we're going to cover some of the most common types of headaches. You know, I know that as as we've chatted previous before, there's a huge amount of of variance in in different types of headaches. But before we start, and, and I think it's probably quite good to have a little bit of a um, a caveat almost in terms of what to look out for in the very very rare instance that there is potentially something more serious going on. So what we might refer to in the medical industry as a, as a red flag for a headache. Okay, well, let me first um, reassure all of your listeners that 99% of the time, headaches are not worrisome. It's, it's a, uh, you're far more likely to have a non-worrisome headache than you are to have um, something that needs uh, you need to seek medical uh, further medical investigations for. But we do put a caveat. So there are a few simple signs that we call, as you say, red flags. But I would add to that potential red flags, because even if you have these symptoms, it doesn't mean to say that there's anything worrisome going on. It just means that it would be we would um, advise you to go to uh, seek um, your to go to your GP on most occasions and just have a few simple investigations done to um, to reassure and to confirm the diagnosis. And in a very tiny, under 0.1% of people that you would see, some people would need to then be referred on to um, get an MRI scan or something like that. So the, those simple guidelines would be <clears throat> if you have a sudden severe onset of a headache that gets extremely severe within five minutes. Some people um, have likened it to being hit on the back of the head with a cricket bat. So this is not your simple headache. This is a new onset, unusual, severe headache that comes on in five minutes. Then that is something that you would think about calling an ambulance or going to A&E for. If you are over 50 and it is a new onset of a new type of headache, it's not familiar if you've had headaches before all of your life, but this is new for some reason, then um, we would ask you to go, suggest you make an appointment to see your GP. And they, uh, they all, I mean, I would be able to do, it says very simple investigations. You may need some blood tests, you may need a simple three-minute neurological screening. They may ask you to do a headache diary, or um, they might they you might you would have your blood pressure taken, and they may look into the backs of your eyes to decide um, if they're just going to monitor you. And that's the most likely outcome. There's very few that yeah. need to go to any. Does that help? 
Yeah, that's that's really good, and that, that's uh, as you said, it's 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 a reassurance. These things are so so rare, um, you know. Which, you know, but obviously, when you have a headache, it can be scary, and especially if it's new or you know, and because they are some of the most debilitating problems, you know. And I know we're going to touch on this in a moment in terms of the different types, but anyone that's had a severe headache, you know, you can't. It's not like you know you've got a, a a bad knee, which can can also be really debilitating. But you can often get comfortable. You can lie down. You can try some take the pain away. When you have a severe headache, it is awful, isn't it? You know, and you know far more about it than I do. I'm sure you've seen patients who you know there's nothing serious, but that doesn't mean it's not painful or debilitating. Oh, not at all, not at all. No, they can be extremely, extremely painful. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, if you if you want any, if you are worried about your headache, then please do see your GP. But there, as I just wanted to repeat, there are some really simple tests that the GP can do that will give you reassurance. Not every severe headache means that there's a. It's um, you need to go to uh, yeah. you to any exactly. So then I know that we we mentioned it previously. How many different types of headaches actually are there? Because I know we're going to talk about kind of the few most common, but uh, you know overall there are. The, I've forgotten how many you mentioned to me when we chatted about them before. There's there's a lot more than people might think. Yes, well, the International Classification of Headache Disorders um, was. I think there's about three hundred different types of headaches in wow. there, <clears throat> but most uh, headaches. Um, will be divided into two types, and that's what we call primary headaches. So that's when the headache itself is the issue, is the problem, or secondary headaches, which where it, the headache is caused by another issue. So commonly people would know that if they got flu or recently COVID, headache has been one of their main um symptoms of uh, flu or covid but it's not the headache that's the mm. disorder it's the fact that you've got a viral infection and when the viral infection goes the headache will go the primary but, headaches sorry do you want me carry to on. talk yes yeah, so the primary headaches um they're divided into three categories there's the most common which is the tension type headache that is probably around 80%, 75 to 80%. And then you have migraine, either with or without aura. That Kim's comes in at around 14% of the population. And then you have another very small category, which is under 1%. And these are called the TACs. They are trigeminal autonomic cathalogers. One of the most common one that people would have heard of would have been the cluster headache. And they are very severe and very debilitating. Mm. Um, so those are the three main categories of the primary headache disorder. So if you have a headache, you're most likely to have one of those. So th those are the three which we're going to kind of focus on today, th those primary headaches. Would you be okay if we kind of broke down those three different types and you kind of talked about, you know, what they look like and the most common, you know, what we call the present uh, presenting symptoms that someone might have if they have one of these headaches? Sure. Well, it, the, the, the criteria that you need, and let me, uh, it, it, tension type headaches, and this is a, it's not a, a black and white scenario. We all know that there's some gray, lots of gray areas, but these are the, the criteria that we go for. So tension type headache <clears throat> tends to be um, the criteria is it's bilateral, so it's far more global. It's both sides. 
It's a vice-like pain, whether you feel like the head is being squeezed. Um, there's probably, you might get a little bit of sensitivity to light, but um, no, that's usually the only feature. And generally it can last between one to seven days. One, one to seven, okay. No, yeah, it's not, sense. and importantly, it's not aggravated by physical activities. So you will be able to go for a walk. Naturally, you'll probably feel better for it if you do clear your head of it. No, that's good. So it's that it's the, what people describe as that like tightness or like a band around their head, almost that kind of yeah, yeah tightness. Like you said, the vice-like tightness. Will that give you any kind of neck pain ever? You know, kind of that kind of tension through the neck and the shoulders. A lot of people will describe. All all of the headaches can have a neck component to it. Um, and the question that we all ask ourselves in the headache world is what comes first? Does the headache cause the neck pain? Does the neck pain cause the headache? And that's something that we always have to ask ourselves, particularly osteopaths when we're treating them. The old chicken or egg situation. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and, and that was about 80%, you said. So the chances of you having a, a tension-type headache is actually very high in all of these, In all, if you have a headache, you know. If, if eight out of ten of them are going to be tension, that's the, the chance of that is probably going to be, be fairly common. It is most likely. I mean, don't, it can. Most of us will have had a tension type headache sometime, you know, in our lives. Um, but most of us can can you know just have a glass of water or go for a walk and sleep it off. But it can extend. It can become a you know a chronic, unremitting tension type headache where it's there all the time. Okay. So although it seems like it's not that serious, it can be very debilitating when it comes becomes a very chronic um, form of tension type headache. So what causes it then? What what brings on this type of headache usually? There's lots of theories. There's lots of very clever men and women around the world in Harvard and Denmark and trying to answer that question itself. It seems to be... Um, it's not a clear-cut answer on tension-type headache. seems to be that there's an increased sensitivity um, and activation of the, of, the, of the nervous system, which then makes your muscles of your head and your neck more sensitive. So um, <clears throat> that seems to be uh, where they're going, but um, on, yeah. on that one. All right. Okay. And so, so it's more muscular in nature, or thoughts to be more muscular in nature than, than anything else at the moment. It's, it's not muscular in nature, it's driven by the nervous system. Yeah. So the, the power, the engine behind it is your nervous system. But you, get, you tend to get very sensitive um, yeah. muscles in, on, on, of the scalp and of the, of the head and the, and the neck. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah, lots of patients will describe that, that tenderness around the, yeah, as you said, the scalp and the head. And it just feels, almost feels bruised, people might say sometimes. That's what I've, I've experienced with, with patients. Okay, then moving on to, to migraine. Now, you said there were two kind of types that kind of, you said, with and without aura. For those who aren't aware of what, of what they are in terms of aura, can you just explain a little bit about what an aura is? Well, aura, if I go back to what, what a migraine is, a migraine is a, a neurological event. So it's like a, um, that you're generally genetically predisposed to. So you've generally got a family history of it. Um, and it, it should be a totally, excuse me, reversible, reversible neurological, neurovascular event, I think is the 
is the definition. So what this means is it's, um, I often tell my patients, it's a bit like a storm, having a little brainstorm <clears throat> where you can feel, you get a sense before the storm that a storm is brewing. That's called a prodrome. And then the storm comes and that's the pain. And then afterwards, you've got all the uh, 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 an episode where you feel completely drained from it all. And those are the three phases of a migraine. Okay. If the people that have migraine with aura also seem to have this little activation. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a bit of a dry throat. <laughs> no worries. Um, um, an activation that uh, we've now seen it on functional MRIs where you see a little wave go through the parts. It's called the cortex, which is the upper part of the brain, little electrical wave um, <coughs> that spreads through it. So for those who um, people that have migraines with aura, right at the beginning, before the headache has started, we get this little wave of uh, electrical wave going through part of the brain called the cortex which is the outer part of the brain and depending on where that wave is goes <clears throat> is going to be where you're going to, to feel your aura and this lasts about 20 minutes um, and it just people that are familiar with it just show know that it's a sign that something's your migraine's about to happen the most common one is called a scotoma, and that's a jagged, jagged bright light that appears on one side of your visual field and slowly makes its way around a, like a, the top of a clock and then will uh, disappear within 20 minutes. Another one could be a little uh, dark spot or tunnel vision. So the visual auras are very common. <clears throat> but some people get different auras, works its way up your arm. You can likewise, it can happen in the face. Um, so those are the most common ones, and obviously, mm -hmm. they can be very scary when if you've never had that before. So if it's the first time you've ever had these symptoms, then you must go and get it checked out because everybody, understandably, feels a little concerned. Mm. But people, oh. people that are used to their migraines and their auras, they they become common, familiar signs that they don't feel that they need to have to, they know they're going to get this just part of the migraine process. So as an aside, as, as a bit of an as an amusing story, I was in a, a lecture learning about migraines with aura when I was at university and we were testing our peripheral vision and I had no peripheral vision on one side of, on one eye. Um, and I had a, had my first ever migraine about twenty minutes later. <laughs> I I experienced exactly. So I just went, oh, I, why can't oh, I? remember being sat at the next thinking, why can't I see anything out the right side of one of my eyes? And then yeah, and then headache about twenty minutes later. So it just happened to be a complete coincidence. I was in a migraine lecture at the time that I had one 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 of these one of these auras before before a migraine, and I can I can definitely tell you that it was severely unpleasant and really quite scary when you don't know what's going on. So as you said, getting that checked out is is important. Yeah, if you for the first time you have it, you definitely need to get it checked out. Mm. So then you get this aura, so you have this kind of this 20 minutes of 
as you said, this myriad of symptoms. It can range from a whole wealth of different symptoms. And then you get the headache that comes on on later. Is that right? So after that 20 minutes, the headache will then usually kind of rear its head, no pun intended. Yeah, generally the headache will then start. And for a migraine, typical migraine headache is one-sided. It's what we call unilateral. Um, so, and generally over the eye, I know to, around the side of the head, um, it's generally <clears throat> more severe in nature than the um, in degree than the typical tension type headache. Mm. Um, and it's an, it more throbbing in nature. And generally the headache pains of migraine, migraine pains, you can't actually function with them. It's difficult to function. So most people will find they'll have to go and uh, you'll, you'll get the sensitivity to light and smell. You'll get the nausea, vomiting, or one, two, two out of three of those. Um, and then most people would have to find themselves a dark, quiet room, cool, and sleep it off and wait for yeah. the storm to pass. Well, I like that phrase, wait for the storm to um, pass. That's a good and, analogy for headaches as well. Yeah. And uh, uh, the physical activity would, is, um, you, is, will aggravate it. So the last thing you actually want to do is go for a walk. Mm. Okay. Because, and it's that throbbing nature. So I imagine kind mm -hmm. of walking or running, you know, that kind of throbbing of the feet can just exacerbate the, that feeling of symptoms in the head sometimes as well. You just want to be absolutely still and quiet and mm. let the nervous system just yeah, take shelter from the storm and... Um, um, and let it pass, as you said. No, true, true, tr truly miserable. And will that will that aura usually go away? So those kind of those pre symptoms, you know, the prodrome. Will, will that the visual symptoms? Will they usually go away, or can they stay throughout the headache as well? No, no, they they are only at the, the warning sign. That's uh, it, so they once they've once a headache pain starts, they're generally gone. Yeah. Okay. And then. What at the moment is the kind of theory behind why these migraines start? So you said they're kind of those those transient neurological episodes, uh, you know, her stories, you know, of that kind of vasoconstriction, vasodilation of blood vessels in the head. You know, what do we think at the, the moment is the likely explanation of why these happen? It's um, the most, I say, the most uh, up-to-date findings that we've got um, has been that there is an activation of the nervous system we don't quite know what triggers that yet, but <clears throat> we see an activation of a nervous system, which causes an expression of the peptide, neuropeptides, that's a protein. There's a rise in certain proteins, and that protein then creates sensitivity in the part of the brain called the trigeminal cervical system that... <clears throat> that um, it, it uh, causes an activation of that. And it's that part of the brain that causes your blood vessels <clears throat> to dilate, that's open up and stretch. And it also supplies the most pain sensitive structures in your head, which are blood vessels and membranes called the dural membranes. And that is what actually creates the pain itself. So that's the cascade but, um, of, of, um, of what happens in a migraine. Mm. <clears throat> and it also explains the treatments or the triptans. Most people, most, most of your listeners, if they have migraines, will know about triptans. 
And there were medications that were found to um, stop the blood vessels opening up vasodilating. They're called vasoconstrictors. So if you take them in time, it can stop the pain of a headache. Um, other people, that's the same um, reason behind why migraine sufferers prefer <coughs> cool, like cool packs on their head, mm. <coughs> because that has the same mechanism. But mm. there are these new new drugs on the block, which any migraine sufferer would have heard about. And some of your listeners may have <coughs> heard on the radio um, a, a man, a very clever man called Peter Goadsby and his team, but also Jez Olson and Lars Everson, some big names, have been working on this for the last 30 years. And they've developed these new drugs called CGRP monoclonal antibodies. And they are in, what they do is it's CGRP is the protein, <clears throat> that neuropeptide that's released when the brain is activated. And what these new injections do is block that protein so that it is under, it um, is not then able to activate the nervous system at, right at the very beginning. Okay. So <clears throat> they're, 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 they're the exciting new drug intervention. Oh, good. So should give people some some positive positive hope and help them with some of their these these really debilitating migraines. Absolutely, yeah. Wonderful. Um, so. I guess the last type of headache that we want to come on to was these, you know, the, the kind of the tact headaches that you spoke about, or the, you know, cephalalgias, um, which are the, 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 they're very, they're much more rare than the other two that we've spoken about. Um, and th there's also a, a big subgroup, subgroup of these as well, isn't there? Um, you know, these can be broken down even further into different types. So is, is the most common type of these, these cephalalgias cluster headaches? <clears throat> the most common is, is cluster, yeah. But what defines these ones from the uh, for migraine and tension type headaches <clears throat> is that they are side locked. So they're always on one side. They never change sides. Um, and it's what we call autonomic features. So this is the features such as um, you'll get a, 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 a watering eye, red eye, tearing eye, blocked nose on one side. So that it comes with other features as well as just the pain. And the pain for cluster headache um, outdoes both of the other two. It is a severe, severe pain. It lasts between 15 minutes to an hour and a half. So it's much shorter. <clears throat> but the attacks, they're called cluster attacks. Um, and what you, you, they're so painful, they've often actually been called suicide headaches because it can make people feel so, so desperate, the pain. And people will end up pacing the room with them, <clears throat> holding their heads. So it's where migraine, you go and find a dark room with a cluster headache, you'll be holding your head and you'll be agitated and you'll be, you'll be pacing the room. So... That's how to tell the difference between the two. So the, these kind of autonomic features, you said runny eye and kind of stuffy nose, is in like a blocked nose on that one side? Yeah, and that comes with the head pain. You don't get it. And, you know, obviously with people get runny eyes and blocked noses for many mm. other reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> common than cluster headache. <clears throat> but it is, comes with the headache and um, the severity, the agitation, 
um, and the uh, the time thirty. Mm. So 30 minutes to, 100, uh, to an hour and a half, 15 to minutes to an hour and a half, I think the criteria is. Oh, they sound sound truly miserable. And always one side, always one side, as you said. I mean, not saying the other headaches aren't miserable, but that does sound, you know, particularly, particularly awful. The one, and they're always, always kind of locked to one side. Why is this? You know, is this, do they, are they a completely different kind of, you know, pathological process, the other type of headaches that means they're locked to one side and so much more severe than the others? Yeah, they have a. They, they do share some commonalities in that the same final pathway is still the same. You know, the the pain pathway is still the same. But what takes it there? <clears throat> the um, cluster headaches are far more <clears throat> from the part involved. There's a part of the brain called the hypothalamus, which is the part of the brain that regulates day and night. It regulates spring, summer, winter, spring. Uh, and it regulates your 24-hour hour clock and um, cluster headaches often happen seasonally. So it'll just happen often, commonly spring and autumn, <clears throat> or that the attacks will always happen at the same time of the day mm. and night. So they know that they're looking at um, the hypothalamus, this, this part of the brain is involved in that. And again, please let me reassure your cluster headaches. There's some very clever people looking into this and understanding. We're getting better understanding all the time on it. Brilliant. That's uh, that's good. And I know that a lot of people listening might be wondering about, well, what can we do about these headaches? But kind of as we've spoken before, this is such a huge topic. So what we'd love to do is do a, do a part two where we kind of break down some of the more common treatments for kind of the migraine, the tensions, the cephalalgias, um, uh, the, the, and we talk about, but even that, you know, you could dedicate hours just to kind of talking about one of these and the treatment of it. So uh, if you'd be happy, we'd love to do a part two where we kind of touch on some of the more common treatments for, for these and the management of, of these headache disorders. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important for the patients to know there's quite a lot that you can do yourself. <laughs> there's mm. a lot of lifestyle management stuff that you can do before you head down the route of um, medication. So yeah. I would always encourage people to explore those baseline lifestyle um you know, right as, as, as a sort of a foundation. And then the trick to getting help or third beyond that is understanding your headache and understanding what's involved, what you can change, what you can't change, what you can change easily, mm. and then who's out there that can help you the best way possible. <clears throat> And that's what we're big on, on on this podcast is that self-management advice, because that advice goes for so much more than headaches, you know, that understanding what you can do to help yourself and anyone you see for whatever pain you're suffering should be helping you to work out what you can do for yourself, whether that's back pain, knee pain, headaches, you know, should you be going for a walk? Should you be doing some exercises? Can you change your diet or your, you know, make sure you're staying nice and hydrated? You know, working out that is what any good clinician should be doing alongside the other things which they will do in the room as well. So that's really, really good sound advice for, <laughs> for, for all sorts of... It's very enabling for patients to understand their own headaches and then understand um, <clears throat> what their options are. And how, and then they choose how they want to manage it, whether it's with medication or not medication. And we, as um, uh, as people that headache patients may come and see, it's our duty of care to enable them to do that, not not to define that there's only one one way, and one way is the right way. You know. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for for joining us on 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 the Backpain podcast on the podcast today's episode. What I'd love if you would like to plug anything, whether you like to you know whether that's your own website, whether it's uh, any research that you're doing, you know, is there anything you would like to like to share with our share with our listeners? Um, well, with the for the headache sufferers, um, yeah, I mean, I practice. Um, if you want more details on me, <laughs> you can go to the Watford Osteopaths website, or we're just actually doing a new website solely for the headache side of things, which will be under elizabethhuzzy.com. That's yet to go live. Um, and through that, <clears throat> if you uh, want to book, if you're local, you can book to come and see me. If you're not local, I, we offer, I offer remote video consultations so I can take through, hear your headache story, and then... Um, try and discuss what your treatment options would be and then try if you would like to seek help closer to home i think he'll work with either with the acupuncturist or the osteopath or gp whatever route we want to go um more find somebody in your area that they can um, help you so you don't have to keep coming to see me if you're on the other end of the <laughs> other end of the country yeah. um brilliant yeah, that's so really, uh, if that's help. That's really helpful. And what's the your website at the moment if people wanted to go and um, look that up? If you want to book that now, it's it's under watfordosteopaths.co.uk and you can just go into book online and there is a specific um, clinic for headache clinic to uh, read what we offer there and then book whatever you feel is um, appropriate for you. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. I hope that's been some really useful, that has been some really useful, valuable information for anyone out there who might be suffering with a headache and not quite sure what type it is. As always, we will catch you all on the next episode. Over and out. Mm-hmm.